Hey everyone, I'm Amanda. And I'm Allie. We are so glad you've joined us today. Our podcast is a platform for women to share their stories. We have a different woman share a story on the first of every month. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but in the end, it's always encouraging. Be sure to hit subscribe so you'll be alerted the next time we have a podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, livingoutloud.today. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you will enjoy the show. Now it's time to meet our next guest. Hey, hey, welcome to our March podcast. March, woo, we're getting closer to summertime. Hey, and we can already just go ahead and say our favorite things, and I'll go first. Okay, okay? go ahead, yes. My favorite thing this month is spring break. Spring break. Because we need a break. We need a break. (laughs) (laughs) Every every March, I'm ready for a break, and it's like, okay, when we go back, the kids go back to school. Yeah. My college kids and my seventh grader. We only have one more nine weeks, and we're wow. done. Yeah. So it's like yeah. a break. I'm ready to go again. I know I'm not the one in school, but I am the mom of a seventh grader. Right. And right. I've always been the mom of all three of my sons. So, you know. Yeah. And then it's closer to summer. You get to see, you know, your college sons more or your kids who are in school. Mm. They'll be home for the summer. I love that. Mm. They need a break. Um, it helps me get a break. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. See, I don't really feel like I get spring break. It doesn't feel like any different. Mm-hmm. It kind of just feels like summer for a week because the kids are home. Yeah. Um, but my husband's still working. It's they're just not old enough to really yes, get like but spring whenever break. They get in school. You're gonna love. Oh, I know. I you're will. gonna love. But it. right now, I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do with them? <laughs> right. I get that. I get that. You're like, where's my spring break? Well, yes, it's coming. Yes. Okay. You're gonna have it's a spring coming. break. It's coming. Yeah. So, um, and can can we just this month, I, I love to focus on the favorite things and yes. the positive. That's who I am. Yeah. But I do want to say my not-so-favorite thing this month. Okay. Go, go ahead. Pollen. Pollen. I hate it. Yeah. It hates yeah. me. Yeah. I hate me it. Me too. My poor kids. I know. Hey, but we have spring break. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's trade-off, maybe. <laughs> no, I I have know. spring break. Yeah, you do. I don't. I get kids at home and pollen. Thank yes. you. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. Wait, I didn't share my favorite thing. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just like okay. This is my controlling the conversation. It's okay. I'm sorry. It's fine. You're welcome to anytime. <laughs> um, I think that I might have mentioned this before, but it even if I mention it again, it doesn't matter. So it's not a real like tangible thing. But my favorite thing right now is tea time. Have I talked about this on here? Tea time. No. Not not golf. And not but going, like actual and not, tea. And not yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> No. Actual tea. But, like, we so, used to have Titus Tea Time. Yes, we did. Well, so now I have a group of women. We meet together on Monday nights this semester, and we just have tea together, and we pray together. We discuss something, whether it's a Bible study or a passage of the Bible. We also discuss, like, a topic of life. So mm-hmm. I usually pick that the day before and send it to them. So it could be laundry discuss how you do your laundry, what detergent you use. I don't know. Something just that you would usually go to Google for, like as especially as a young mom, of discipline. Like how do you discipline your kids? Just to kind of have a conversation with people that are in the same season. But one of my favorite parts about it is we actually bring real china and we sit there and have a tea party and talk. And it is so fun. It is the oh, highlight. I love that. It is the highlight of my week. 
because it's just, it's fun. It's special. We wear our PJs, our house shoes. You don't have to dress up, um, come ready for bed and enjoy tea, but then it's a little fancy with the china or food or if, you know, someone brings something special and we just light a candle and sit in this like living room space with a little lamp on and enjoy two hours together. That's awesome. That has been my favorite thing for the past year, (laughs) but it's definitely my favorite thing this month. Well, it sounds great and it sounds extra ordinary. (laughs) Oh no, you're going to bring this up. That is so funny. I actually brought it up to my tea time ladies. Uh, A little context. I was reading a passage from a book or something, and I just read out loud at tea time, extraordinary, something, something, something was extraordinary. Uh No one corrected me. Fast Mm -hmm. forward to a week later, I say extraordinary with Amanda, and then it (laughs) dawns on me that I said extraordinary like the song, (laughs) right? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Uh, extraordinary, the, whatever, yeah, in yeah. parent trap, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, no, it's I just it's thought I'd bring it up. It was the perfect time. No, it's funny. <laughs> I love it. I did ask them if they caught on to that, and they either lied to me and said they didn't. Yeah. Because they didn't want to embarrass I bet they me. they didn't. But they didn't. Yeah. They said they didn't. Well, yeah. I have a random question for us before we introduce our guest, yes. our amazing guest. Yes. Okay, if you could be a fly on a wall. Which wall would you be on? Mm. Okay, so can I can I change this question a little bit and take it past now? Sure. So, like, if I could have been a fly on the wall. Okay, yeah. Okay, whose wall would I have wanted to be on? And I, I had to think about this question. Mm-hmm. Usually you don't send them to me early, but you did this one because yeah. it would have really stumped me. It yeah. stumped me for two hours. That's crazy. Um, I didn't even know it would stump you. I, I thought like, about it. I, had a, I just had a feeling. I probably need to ask yeah. her what she thinks about this I question. thought about it on my drive into town while I taught a class and after. <laughs> but here's my answer. I would say my Mima and Paul's wall. So this is my dad's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, they raised four children, three boys. And I had three boys. Three boys. <laughs> I have two boys. So I understand now. I'm like, how did you raise three boys? Those of you that have more than three boys. That would be me. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, and a sweet girl. Yeah. And so she raised four children and they were just fabulous parents. And they obviously are not perfect, but they did a wonderful job raising their children, especially just instilling in them God's truth and values, which we're going to talk about that with our next guest. And I think that that's why that would be the answer, or that would be the answer to my question is because I would have loved to just been there at the dining room table when she was feeding all of those hungry boys and the little girl and they were fighting and, you know, shooting each other with BB guns under the table. I mean, it was just straight chaos. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like it is at my house. And my Mima is just, the way that she speaks is very soft, mm-hmm. not like me. I can yell and get everyone's attention. It's very soft. Not that she can, but yeah. she just um, demands respect um, mm-hmm. in her presence. And her children, adult children, um, respect her now. And so, th- and, and I know that that's because of all the things that she taught them and instilled in them. So I would just have loved to just listen to her parents, yeah. these children, and just to say, because that's the season I'm in right now. I, you know, sometimes I question, like, what am I doing? Yeah. Am, is this right? Is this wrong? And just to have seen her would mm-hmm. have just been really, really helpful and um, really sweet. 
That's a great answer. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, what would you say? Mine is probably more, uh, a more, um, silly common. <laughs> no, common? Just common. Okay. Yeah. Um, I ha- have always wanted to be on the wall where my kids are. Mm, yeah. Away from yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. That's school, true. you know, like when my older boys were at school, um, when, you know, just now my seventh grader at school, mm-hmm. um, now my older boys at college, I would love to just be in there. It's crazy because you're with them mm-hmm. all of their lives, like every day, teaching them, laughing with them, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things, but then they go away from you and you're yeah. not able to be there yeah, I can't to see. So anyway, I, one of the questions I used to ask my boys all the time is because I love to laugh and they would make me laugh. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't always mean to, but I just thought they were funny. Right. And it was important to me. I thought that was fun. Yeah. yeah. And I would always say, they make fun of me too. They're like, I would say, hey, who'd you make laugh today? What'd you say? Uh-huh. You know, they're uh-huh. like, they'll they'll say that and mock right. me just because right. it is funny. And now they're they're at college. I'm like, did you make anybody laugh today? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I just wish. Like, so that you can laugh I too. wish, yes, yeah. for sure. So, yeah. and just knowing how they're handling different things, which I have great confidence in them and always have that they do a great job with that. But it's just, you know, as a mom, you want to be there to hear it. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sure a mom, a lot of moms feel that way. Oh yeah, I think so. And I I think that I will feel that way too. Right now they are all up in my nest. Yeah. So it's a (laughs) double-edged sword. Different seasons for sure. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Trudy Kathy White is the youngest child and only daughter of Chick-fil-A founder Truett and Jeanette Kathy. At 19 years old, Truett opened Birmingham, Alabama's second Chick-fil-A restaurant, making her one of the youngest operators in Chick-fil-A's history. Trudy and her husband, John, served in international missions for 20 years with the International Mission Board. Upon completing their work with the IMB, Trudy served for 13 years as the director of Windshade Camps for Girls. While together, the Whites co-founded LifeShape and Impact 360 Institute. Today, Trudy serves as a Chick-fil-A ambassador and has become nationally known as an influential leader and speaker. She is the author of several books, including her most recent release, A Legacy That Lasts, focused on living today as a legacy you hope to leave future generations. Trudy and John are the proud parents of four children and grandparents of 17 grandchildren. In all she does, Trudy is led by her commitment to be used by God to invest in relationships, influence culture, and inspire godly character in the next generation. Welcome, Trudy. We are so excited to have you on again. It's a joy to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Well, we're excited to talk about your new book. Well, how long has it been out? It's your most recent book. Most, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is my most recent. It came out at the beginning of this year. So it's had a, a, a shelf life now over a year. And it's an exciting time to see it roll out and have people be interested in reading it, a legacy that lasts. That's awesome. Well, um, we are going to just start out asking some questions. But I want to say again, it is doubly our pleasure to have you on. Um, first of all, we love you and your family and what you, uh, stand for. And, um, I know in your bio, we talk about how 
your father is Truett, the late Truett, Kathy, and um, my family and I are part of Chick-fil-A. So we've got to mm-hmm. gotten to we have had the chance to get to know you and your family. And we are so grateful for all that you guys do with Life Shape and with Impact 360, where two of my sons have already gone through the gap year program. Mm-hmm. It's just we are forever um, grateful for you guys and all of your investment. So it's a pleasure to have you on. And I have put my four kids on the wait list, if that's even possible. That's right. For Impact 360. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's often you're, you're got a while. Real con- you got a while. Yeah, you're ready for that. But you know, yes, it's amazing. I've already started praying. That's right. <laughs> okay, so tell us what inspired you to write your fourth book, A Legacy That Lasts. Well, thank you for those kind words and and happy to uh, share this journey with you all in terms of getting this book, my fourth book, written. It actually came about because um, uh, it it stirred in my heart shortly after my mom and dad passed away. For those who are listening and not aware, my, my dad passed away at the age of 93 in 2014. And just 10 months later, at the age of 92, my mother passed away. and That was in 2015. So we lost them quite quickly between the two of them. And I am the only daughter in the family and live very close to their homestead. So I was the one that kind of was responsible to go through their home and clean through everything. And it's important that you know that they lived in this particular home for 56 years, which is a long time. They were married for almost 66 years. So most of their life were spent in this particular home. And as we all know, the longer we live in one place, the more things we tend to collect right so mother and dad um, had quite a bit of stuff and just a quick reminder they didn't take any of it with them when the Lord took them home so everything that they had was in this house that I uh, had both the the joy and the the hardship of going through I opened up all the drawers all the cabinets cleaned through everything I found things that made me laugh asking myself why in the world did my mother hold on to this for so long and there were other things that I found that uh, brought tears to my eyes simply because there were memories that I had of of time with them and things we had shared together and so I uh, of course missed them deeply but when it was all said and done after cleaning through their entire house I realized that they had left me something of tremendous value and what they really left uh, was their legacy I realized that uh, their legacy was uh, the life they had lived. And it just kind of dawned on me that for all of us, the legacy we'll leave then is the life we're living right now. And I began to think how much I wanted to live my life in such a way that my my influence would outlive myself, of course, that we'd be passed on to the next generation, because that is what I've experienced after the passing of my parents, that their influence uh, is still alive and a well in in our family and in our family business, to be honest with you. So I was just inspired to write a very practical book that was designed to equip the the reader to to just ponder about what is it like to be intentional in your life and identify values that are important and living those values out, because I think that is what created uh, a sense of, of legacy among my parents' um, life. In, in Ephesians, Paul puts it this way. He begins in chapter 5, he begins to say, so be careful how you live. Don't live as those who are unwise, 
but as those who are wise. And then the verse that probably a lot of us are familiar with says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil times. And so I feel like my parents made the most of their opportunity of the life that God had given them. And I wanted to put a, put a book out there that would inspire other people to learn maybe some of the lessons I've learned from my parents and some of the things that John and I, my husband and I have learned through the years with our own children. So a legacy that lasts. I love that. It's so important to learn from others and those who have gone before us, um, those who have done it right, they have lived and learned and, um, you know, started out many times living wise, but a lot of times uh, learning when they haven't done maybe everything the right way, but changing that and not doing the same thing over and over. I know your parents were amazing and loved the Lord from the beginning. And so it's such a great, uh, I think, just amazing opportunity that you have had to share that with others. And, um, and, and most importantly, that you chose that. You mentioned that teenagers are wrestling with three big questions and that it's important to, you know, be aware of those. What are those big questions? Yeah, I start with those in my book because we re recognize these were important questions that our children were asking as they were growing up and now our, our grandchildren. And so I, I, there are three big questions. Actually, we all ask them, uh, but particularly they begin to, to surface, I think, with our, our teenagers. And the first question they're asking themselves is, who am I? It's that question of identity. And we see it in the world today. Everybody's always kind of waking up and saying, uh, who am I? Uh, and, and who we are really matters. So it's important that we wrestle with that question, but it's also important that we find the answer in the truth of God's word. Uh, God's word says that we're created in his image, uh, that uh, who I am is determined by what God says about me. In, in my life of growing up in the Kathy family and being affiliated with, with Chick-fil-A, it would be very easy for me to uh, hook my identity to who my parents were or um, what I've done in life, but what is so important is that I realize that I am who I am because of who God created me to be and accept that. When my brothers and I were teenagers and we would walk out the back door of my mom and dad's house, my mother was often at the door and she would say to us, remember who you are and whose you are. Mm -hmm. And I only realized how important that was when I got older and I was raising my own children to say, I want my children to understand who they are and whose they are, because uh, that answers that question of identity, you know, who I am. Some people think that it's your name that gives you value, but it doesn't. We actually give our names value by who we show ourselves to be. And so that's the first question, who am I? The second question I would think that all of us asked ourselves is where, I, where do I belong? Particularly, we see that in our teenage uh, children. They're trying to find, you know, acceptance and belonging and uh, they want to fit in, and it's the worst feeling in the world to, to, to think you're lost or think you're all alone. And I always go back to Scripture in Isaiah. It says, I have called you by name. You are mine. And that is such an affirmation to know that who I belong to is the Lord. Few people know my mother's story, but really quickly, I'll just say she, her, her earthly father walked out on her when she was a baby in arms. So she never met her earthly father. And 
it was so interesting because when she got to be about five or six years old, she made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And in that decision, uh, she would say that uh, her heavenly father became her perfect father for her. So she found that sense of acceptance, and even in who she belonged, she could have been very bitter about that and felt like she was all alone and felt sorry for herself because she didn't have an earthly father. But when she recognized that God would be her heavenly father, who would be her her substitute father, I guess, here on earth, uh, she would always say, don't feel sorry for me because I had a perfect father and nobody else has that, right? <laughs> uh, no father is perfect on this earth. So I, I love that my mother found her acceptance and her relationship with the Lord, and we can do that. Uh, as well. And the third question, probably the most important question that teenagers wrestle with is, why Why am I here? It's that question of purpose. Um, we know that truth comes from God's word, and he says that uh, he has the plans for us. He has plans for us to prosper, plans that will give us hope, that will give us a future. And God's design for me is so very important, God's design for each one of us. So that's where we kind of go to to find our purpose. And I think that's and what has motivated me so much in this book to, to help me realize that when I understand my purpose, then I understand my priority priorities, and that's kind of where my values come from. Now, there are probably a lot of listeners that eat Chick-fil-A, and we boast about our purpose. We know why we're in business every day. We are in, we are in business to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And having clarity of that purpose allows us to have real good clarity on what is important to us as we run uh, this family business called Chick-fil-A. But it's the same thing in our personal lives. When we get clarity of why God has us here on this earth, then we get clarity on what's important to us in life. I feel like I'm sitting at a, like a seminar or a talk because I'm just writing notes. I can't even write fast enough because I just... <laughs> She's got her notebook. I do. I have my I notebook. Like, Man, I'm really enjoying it. So <laughs> listeners, while you're driving, just pull over and get out um, because just gold, gold is yes. what you're saying. And before I ask you the next question, which is probably going to be my favorite question um, that you're answering, um, I just want to say how cool it is when God... I just love this reminder when God just repeats things over and over to get your attention and just align mm -hmm. the things within your days of like, Hey, this is me. Like I'm speaking to you. And last Sunday, I just really felt like he was telling me to just kind of bring some clarity to what our family values are. And I had mm -hmm. done this about a year ago and I just felt like it was time that I, I had been simmering on them for a while to actually put some scripture to back them up and then start teaching them to my kids, which my kids are younger. Um, but we do kind of like a morning time every morning. And I'm like, why am I not teaching them one by one? You know, what is our family? We as a bell, you know, my last name, what, what are our core values as a family? And I want them to be sitting around the dinner table when they're older and be like, Oh my gosh, mom talks about the values again and again, you know, making jokes like she made us memorize scripture, but then really know in their hearts and be thankful for it. And so I just love that he is kind of aligning that um, just right now with, as, as you're talking. And so I can't wait for you to answer this question. Mm -hmm. Here it is. You talk about values in your book and you mentioned that everyone has values, whether they have identified them or not. Why is it important to identify your values and how has it helped your family? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And thanks for sharing that experience. I, I, I always remind people that God never wastes experiences that he gives us in life. Now, we may choose to waste them, but his intent is to use all of our experiences for, for our good and for his glory. So I'm, I'm glad you have uh, thought that it's going to be important to be intentional to identify values and, and talk to them about your children. I mentioned in our book that, you know, for myself personally, what has happened once we identified our own values, our own being my husband and myself, our family, here are the, thing, the three areas I think that has helped me the most. One, it's helped me in times of adversity. When the life has been tough, and we all have difficulties that come in life, but usually when we hit a moment of crisis or unexpected um, disappointments, we turn to what's most important to us. And so I feel like that when we understand our values, it helps us to navigate those times of difficulty. My husband has been through cancer twice. We've just talked about the fact that I've lost both my parents, lost both my in-laws as well. We've had challenges in our own marriage. We've had parenting um, challenges with our children as raised them. I think everyone can relate to, to that and to realize that we all have ups and downs in life and when we understand what's important to us that's where we that's where we go to when times are tough so that's one thing uh knowing our values helps us in our in, in adversity i have found that knowing my values helps me to create some boundaries for my life when i know what's important to me i know what my values are then i can very comfortably say no to what's good and yes to what's even better and when you have to, um, you have a lot of a lot of things we can do with our time that God's given us. We all we all have the same amount of time, twenty four hours in a day, and so there we have to make choices. How are we going to spend that time? And so my values to take me back to help me to be able to focus on how do I need to spend my time in this way. And I have a hard time saying no to people for things I get asked to do. But when I have real good clarity of these values, I I'm able to weigh that out and say. Uh, this would be good, but I think this other would be a better better choice. And it, it allows me to be, honestly, a little bit more intentional. I'll give you a quick example that I, uh, I think I put in my book. When my husband, John, goes out of town, I usually have a real long to-do list of things I can do while he's out of town. I know he's not coming home at night, and I can just stay up as late as I want to and work on as many projects as I need to work on. And I love those kind of night, nights every once in a while. I wouldn't want John to be gone every night, but when I have a, a night like that, I can accomplish so many things. So one particular time, John had gone out of town, and the phone rang, and it was my daughter, and she says, Mom says, I know Dad's gone, and it's close to um, her son, one of our grandson's birthday, and says, you want to go out to dinner with us tonight? We're going to kind of celebrate Michael's birthday early. And I thought to myself, oh, but I have so many things I wanted to get done tonight in the house, but I was embarrassed to say that to her. And then I went back to one of my values and it is family. And I want to prioritize any time I have an opportunity to be with my family. And so I told her, yes, I'll be there. And so I put aside my to-do list and I went and I was so thankful that I did because I got to thinking, I don't know that Michael will ever remember that I gave him a gift of that particular time, but he will likely remember that I was there when we celebrated his birthday. So it just is um, so helpful to me because it allows you to be just a little more intentional, make better decisions and help navigate the difficulties of life that you go through. 
I love that. It's so good. And I feel the same way. I love it. I, I hate it when my husband's gone because I miss him. But <laughs> Todd, I do feel like there is like, oh, I can get this done. Like Lance comes back and he's like, the closet looks so good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's about being gone, but I get a task done. And, um, and I'm constantly working on stuff when he's here. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, this last week <laughs> on, and I was like, I've got what, what task am I going to take care of? And mm -hmm. um, I had big plans to tackle another one. And you know what? I didn't. I just spent more time hanging out with my seventh grader. And I mean, we have a lot of time together anyway, but it was just extra with he and I. And I'm so glad I did not get another task done. And I spent mm -hmm. more time with him when another time it would have been fine, you know, so I get that. Totally get that. Well, I feel that way about my children's nap time. Frantically until they wake up. So yes. Maybe I need to take a warm bath and relax so I can <laughs> better for them when they wake up. So yeah. Tracy, would you share your values and how you identified them? And like, how have you challenged your own children in this area? Yeah, I'm happy to share ours. Honestly, when our children, after they begin to leave the home, go to college, some were getting married, John and I really wanted so much just to spend some time with our uh, adult children. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But it was in a conversation with our children about their own values that caused them to look at us and say, well, mom and dad, what are your values? And we realized in our length of marriage that we hadn't really clearly defined what our values were. And we thought if we're going to ask our children to do this, we, we better look for. So for us, as um, being married, we've been married now for 46 years, we, we look back on our past and we saw where passions that we had, things that were important to us that mattered surfaced, and we were able to identify five values that we are very focused on in this season of our life. And those five values are, first one is our faith. Uh, we uh, consider our Christian faith the, the main filter for our decision-making process and anything that we do. The second value for us is family. We certainly treasure our family, value our family, know they're a gift from, from the Lord and want to invest in our family. The third value for us is integrity, that we want to be people who, no matter who we're with or where we are, we're the, right, we're the same person. Uh, regardless of the circumstance and the situation, I saw this in my mom and dad's life and like integrity is a great way to be able to live your life in such a way that you're an example uh, to others. The fourth value for us is generosity, that we're generous with the things that we have been given, not just with things in terms of resources, but we're generous with our time, that we're generous with our talents, and that we're generous with our opportunities of influence. So that generosity piece speaks to uh, a, a lot of things. And the fifth value for us would be gratitude, that we would be um, people who are grateful for um, the blessings that God has, has given us. And even grateful that we, we walk through hard times because we know that the Lord is always with us when we walk through those things. So just learning to have a spirit of, of gratitude among us. So those are our five values. If you ask about, you know, how do you, how do you go about doing this? Maybe you're thinking, I, I don't know what it would look like. And here's how it began with us is we posed three questions to our children. We ask our children that these are their young adults. They some were um, maybe five or seven years into their their married lives, and 
them were starting to have children and we tell them, said, what really matters to you? That was, that was the number one question that we asked him. We want you to spend some time asking yourself, what really matters to me? The second question we pose to them is what values will govern how you live your life? So that meant they were going to have to identify those. And the third was what values do you want others to see in your life? The reason I think that question is so important is because oftentimes we might think something is important to us, but if we don't live in such a way that people don't notice it in our lives, we probably need to kind of go back and wrestle with ourselves just a little bit, a little bit more. So if I, I were to say, for example, you know, family is a value to me, but if you never hear me talk about my family or see me with my family or, or things like that, then you may wonder there's a little bit of a disconnect in what I say is important and what I actually do. So I think that third question, what values do I want others to see in my life? is so very important. That's how this whole process with our children started. We, we posed these three questions to them and asked them to wrestle with it over a, a period of time. And then we put together some value cards. Now you can Google and find all kinds of value cards uh, online somewhere. I've listed them in my book so people can look at those. They're just a, almost a hundred words of values and a short little definition for each of those values. And we put them together as a stack of cards and, and gave them to each of our children. We said, we want you to sort through these and, and get it down to about five or six values that you can really focus on. And a lot of those values were all very good things, but you can't do everything really good. So it's important that you get down to a few that are uh, that are very manageable. And once you identify them, then we challenged our children to write them down, write them down on something so that they become um, very much something you're looking at all the time. In, in Chick-fil-A, we have our purpose statement just outside of the building at the support center in Atlanta when people come in. And, you know, some, some there's something about displaying uh, why um, that that purpose statement, it really helps people to uh, have a focus for their day. And so with the values, I feel like it's the same way. Anywhere you can write them down or display them somewhere so that they'll be a constant reminder to you that this is what's important uh, to me. Those are great tips. Um, thank you for those. I feel like sometimes when you think about values, it can seem like a really lofty kind of like... <laughs> how to make this tangible. I don't know how to, you know, sort through this, yeah. but as you were talking, I mean, and kind of giving the steps of how to get there, that was just so helpful. Um, a great way to kind of think through that. So I think that our listeners will, will really enjoy that. Um, you know, I might add real quick that uh, just, just this week I heard from someone and they found some little value cards more on a children's uh, younger children's level, you know, to help them. And, and I, I was intrigued by those. I actually, you can download them and I was printing them off and, and I thought, oh, these are really good. So you can, you can make this work and no matter where your children are, what age level they're, um, they're at, you can help them to begin to understand what, what's important. I, I think they'll change over time. If you start with them when they're young, elementary age or whatever, they'll, they'll over time, they'll, but they'll become solidified as they get, get older. And at least you're creating this, uh, intentionality of, of an exercise with them to make them think, oh, what is, what really matters to me, you know? So I, I enjoy that. And I appreciate the fact that somebody said, hey, we're, we're using this in our family. That's really exciting to me. Yeah. I can get really nerdy about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I just, I just love it. And I think that I was yeah. not age. Um, I think by my, my parents too, of like, 
being able to understand and identify what is important to mm -hmm. you. It is mm -hmm. so important in, like you have said, the decision process making. And you've talked about this a little bit. Is there anything else you wanted to say about how your values have helped you in your decision making process? No, I just, I just think that um, the, the more we can make it a part of our conversation and talk about them, I don't know, you know, when's the last time somebody sat down with a friend and said, can I just talk to you about things that are important to me in life right now? You know, sometimes we just avoid those kind of tech conversations. And so I'm trying to make it more, uh, be a little more proactive in, in talking about them because the more you talk about them, put them before you, you, you begin to live them out a lot more. I don't ever recall my parents saying, you know, these are our values and, and have a certain ones. But when I look at their life, I can certainly see some that I feel like were certainly important to them. I, I look at my, my mom and dad and consistency was something I saw in their life that was important. And probably most of our people in our, in our family business recalls that if they ever knew my mom and dad, they were very consistent in how they lived their life. I was never surprised by anything my dad said or, or did that was out of character for who he was. And I don't think I knew how to appreciate that till, um, till I was older and particularly now when, when they're gone. And it's kind of interesting how that plays out in our own business at Chick-fil-A as well. We want people to get a good Chick-fil-A no matter where they eat, whether they're out in California or on the South uh, or in the South or out West, wherever they go, we want them to have the same good experience uh, and get a good sandwich and consistency. So that, that value, oftentimes when we identify our values, they play out in so many other things uh, in our life, which is, which, which I think is pretty, pretty cool. So I think that's why it's so important to, to take the time to, to pause and ask yourself what, what really matters to me it's it's a process it's a journey it takes time but it's valuable that's so good um and, and so intentional i know that okay i'm excited about this next question because i know a few of the answers and i can't <laughs> wait for um our listeners to hear but also to see what else you have to say but um would you tell us more about the intentional time you spend with each generation of your family I'm happy to do that. Of course, people need to know that I'm in my uh, late 60s now already. So John and I are in a season, season of life where we have fewer years ahead of us than we do behind us. And that will cause you to get intentional in a hurry. Uh, just that alone, I, I think. But in looking at this season that we're particularly in, John and I have asked ourselves, how can we be more intentional about investing in the next generation? not just with our own family, but with extended opportunities that God has given us. But within our family, we have tried to do some things that uh, started out, we didn't think we would keep them up very long, but it's just, they've, they've been so effective, we have kept them up. But one of the things that we did, once our children had grown and left the nest, we just longed for time with our children. We were missing them so much. And we thought, what if we took one weekend out of the year and let our adult children and their spouses come back together and we just spend a weekend together in conversation because when you don't have the grandchildren around when little ones are out of the picture you seem to have so much more time and you have less interruptions and so this has been valuable for us in fact we have done this 20 consecutive years if you can imagine uh with our with our children now every uh one weekend out of the month of october we spend together and we do a deep dive in our conversation we we pray for one another. We talk about how our marriages are going. We, um, we, we just learn about one another. We, 
we offer encouragement to one another. We play games together. We meals together. Uh, we cook together. It's just a together kind of weekend. With uh, and we can sit at the table and talk as long as we want to because we don't have children around to interrupt us. I know when when my children come to visit me in my home, and of course they bring their children. You know, they'll they may stay for the weekend, but when they leave, I'm thinking I don't think I've ever finished one conversation I started <laughs> because we get inter- interrupted from the little ones. So this particular weekend we call it our our family assembly weekend has been extremely valuable uh, to us over the course of years it's one of the things that our children say let's be sure to put it on the calendar for next year so that's an investment that we made in our own children even once they're grown i feel like you never you never quit parenting uh, it looks different of course as your children get older but there's always a role that parents can say they can play in the lives of their of their children a couple of other fun things that we've done, we started something called Camp Mipa. I'm called Mimi by our grandchildren, and John is Papa. So we named our camp Camp Mipa, and we have it uh, three days and four nights with our grandchildren in the summertime, of course, when they're out of school. So we bring all the grandchildren together, and we run it just like a camp. Now, I have a little camp background uh, in my in my career, so we map out exactly how we're going to do everything we have a theme we actually get some little t-shirts for the children to wear while they're at camp Mipa, and i'll send out an email to all the parents and tell them that camp Mipa registration is open and you know they give them 24 hours to sign up if they're coming of course they're all coming and we bring all the grandchildren together and the parents have about 20 minutes to drop them off at our house and then the parents leave and we have all we have 17 grandchildren now and so we will have all of them here together. And John and I are exhausted at the end of those three days, yes. but it is a wonderful time together. And we just, the reason we do this is because we know that more things are caught than they are taught. And our grandchildren are being taught a lot of great things, but we want to spend time with them so that maybe some of the things that we've learned in life will just kind of rub off on them and they'll catch it. So we, we do crafts together. We eat all our meals together. We do field games outside, kickball, you name it, we do it. We we have a pool at our home, so we put them to swim together. We have a pond and we go fishing together. I just organize every minute of the day for things that we can do with the children. And we build it all around a theme. And that theme it could be, well, one just a few years ago was called So, So Good. And we talked about all the good things that they like, things that they like to eat, things that they like to do. And then we talked about the goodness of God and how he is so, so good. They all wore chef hats. And we talked about putting ingredients together to make things. And we would experiment with cookies and things. And, and we just we just have a fun time together. And you can do this as big or as simple as you want to do it. It may just be a one night overnight with one grandchild or one child. Just It's really just being intentional and uh, spending that kind of time uh, with them. So those are some of the things that we've done. We've done a few things with our teenage grandchildren. Once they come 13, we've given up Labor Day weekend, and we let them come and spend Labor Day weekend with us and with just the teenagers. And that's when we do a deep dive in their values, what's important to them, and some really neat kind of conversations. It's quite different from our our Camp Meepaw time. But it, it's just an investment of time. I, I, we, like I said, we've all got 24 hours and we get to choose how we're going to spend it. And John and I just try to be very selective in how we spent some of our time through the course of the year to be able to invest back in the next generation. 
Those are all huge, amazing things. And Lance and I have already decided that we are going to do the Meepaw Camp, whatever we're called. <laughs> I love what you do with your adult children. I mean, just amazing. Um, and so I love how you guys are doing that. And and also how you said you're always going to be parenting. It just looks different in every mm -hmm. season. We have one mm -hmm. more question. We've got to do it really quick. Um, but mm -hmm. All proceeds from your book go to the Impact 360 Institute Legacy Fund. Would you tell us um, about that really quick? Yes, well, you know, um, certainly something about it for sure. But it's a nine-month leadership experience for young people between the ages of 18 and 20. They have an opportunity to come and uh, study, live on campus. They get college credit for their time with us for nine months. They get an international experience. And it's all built around this um, philosophy of trying to uh, develop followers of Jesus to know God more deeply, to be transformed in their character, and to live out their faith in the marketplace. It's just an opportunity for us to invest in this next generation, to lay a foundation for them before they head out into the world, whether it's college or a career. Uh, for them, we just want them grounded really well in the truth of God's word. We love Impact 360, and we can't thank you enough for it. Lance and I are just forever thankful, like I said. The Chick-fil-A corporate purpose is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And I just want to say thank you to you and um, Trudy, to you and John, mm -hmm. just everything you guys have invested in, like you said, not just your family, but extended beyond that and my family and I have been impacted um, eternally um, by what you guys have done so you guys have been amazing stewards of all that God has given you and we have um, you know reaped that so thank you so much mm -hmm. thank you for giving us your time today yes thank you so much Trudy my pleasure thank you all and thank you for living out loud your faith and sharing it with others I'm honored to be a part of this